0: Well, everyone, just to let you know, we'll start the presentation in about 30 seconds. All right, hello everyone, and welcome to today's Safety and Health webcast, how to implement a COVID-19 vaccination protocol. Navigating the Often Difficult Waters, sponsored by Traction Guest. This is Alan Ferguson, Associate Editor at Safety and Health Magazine. I'm helping moderate today's pre-recorded event. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll start the presentation in a couple minutes. But first, there are some housekeeping items. As a disclaimer, the views of today's speakers and organization are their own and do not necessarily affect those of the National Safety Council or Safety and Health Magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise product or publication does not mean the Council of the Magazine endorses those items. For today's presentation, we will not conduct a live Q&A session, but we will forward any questions to our sponsor, Traction Guest. You can also email questions to info at Also, just to let you know, after this presentation will be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey and the survey will open in a different screen after this webinar. This webcast will be archived so you can access it after today's live event. To view this webcast and all of our past webcasts, please go to safetyandhealthmagazine.com events. And with that out of the way, let's begin today's presentation.
1: Operationalizing vaccine mandates. Today, as was mentioned, I'm joined by my colleagues, uh, Sookie Ram and Brian Phillips. They have extensive experience in security, risk, compliance, legal, trust, and other areas. And it's it's this multiple decades of experience that we're hoping to bring to the table here as we continue the, this discussion today. I wanna to start perhaps by setting the table a little bit and describing the hype that I think we're all seeing right now in the media. Unless you've been under a rock for the last 24, 48 hours and for that matter for the last you know two weeks, Every, every third article on, on Facebook, every fourth article in CNN seems to be something related to vaccination policy, vaccination mandates, whether that's local, regional companies declaring some sort of policy approach. There's something out there, and it's being heavily covered in, in, in the media. And that's really why we wanted to have this conversation to help organizations move perhaps from the hype to a little bit of the reality. And what we're seeing today is that that reality is just the starting point. It really is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of what we need to be offering our organizations. So, you know, these were quick sample copies that I stole from the interwebs. You know, you see the CEO of Google putting up a public posting and similarly a CHRO officer putting up, you know, again, a LinkedIn posting. And, you know, I, I stole this one from our own internal tools. This is uh, Suki's internal posting and her attraction guest. You know, and it's great. And it's not to knock the policies, especially since they affect me directly. But that really is only the starting point. There, there's so much more to consider than just the bold statement that vaccinations are required or, 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 or not required. There's much more to, to the conversation. And So that's really where I, I wanted to start today's, today's discussion, really digging into that notion of, What is it, uh, you know, that we need to think about when we when we look at policies and operationalizing those policies and turning them into into reality, if you will. So, you know, with that, I'll I'll turn it over to, to our panelists. Let's let's talk a little bit about how you've managed, you know, the actual implementation of some of these policies, what you're seeing across the industry in terms of best practices, how organizations are going from, you know, sort of a nice piece of paper to something that actually impacts lives. Let's maybe start, I'll, I'll kick it over to Suki to start off the conversation.
2: Yeah, thanks, Roger. It's, uh, you know, that nice little piece of paper probably was the easiest thing to do in part of this whole process, right? It's, you know, you do a bit of research, and, and for us, it was, uh, you know, we're very fortunate. We, we have three offices, but we were really concentrating on our head office in Burnaby, in Canada. So, for us, it was really looking at, you know... We, we're, we're private sector so we, we don't have any actually vaccine mandates and you know we've been looking at it for, for for quite some time and it was really built out from a conversation within our executive team and and we're very much for you know having a safe space for our uh, employees and and for me it, it, in terms of legal and compliance looking at you know what is our obligation f- to our employees uh vaccinated and unvaccinated um, and it really boils down to for us was you know um, health and safety uh, legislation, which talks about um, having in place uh, um, uh, uh, procedures, you know, taking uh, reasonable precautions to protect the health and safety uh, of those workers in our workplace. And the question that we ask ourselves is, have we done enough? What is it that we're doing uh, in terms of precautions? And you know, the assessment was, you know having this extra layer of, you know, a vaccine mandate, uh, is that something that's necessary for our organization? And each organization has to make that determination for themselves, right? Um, and so, you know, going through the research and, um, and looking at the assessment, um, you know, we came to the conclusion that yes, if you want to attend uh, the office, you know, a uh, vaccine I- is required. Um, but there's more to that, right? It, you know, once you set your policy, you have to look at it, like, how are you gonna manage this? So we looked at, you know, do we have the necessarily the necessary tools? Do we have the people in place to be able to push forward this policy? So, you know, um, when people are coming into the office and, you know, we've had uh, regular attendance over the summer, um, again, our footfall is not very much, so we are able to, to manage it quite well. And we, we looked at um, really uh, making sure that we're adhering to our requirements to be able to enforce this policy. And it's all about consistency, consistently applying it to make sure that you know, we don't have complaints of discrimination or unfairness right? Um, And because one of the the risks for us as an organization is, you know, um, uh, prosecution. Uh, If there is an outbreak of COVID within our organization and our uh, efforts to control the exposure were seen to be insufficient. So a policy is just not enough. You know, we have to actually do the legwork to make sure, you know, it's consistently applied, um, you know, we're reviewing it consistently, um, and we have the right people in place, um, trained as well. And the policies and procedure documents, um, to make sure, you know, what we say in our policy is being, uh, applied consistently. Again, that goes to training. You know, we had to hire actually a facilities manager specifically for our, uh, Burnaby office to be able to do this. Um, so, you know, one of the, I think the keys for us was early on is having a, um, team um, that looked at health and safety because you know this is just one policy of many um, that you will have for health and safety um and again having early discussions i think was really key for us and then also uh reviews have been really key for us in terms of once the policy has been implemented looking at how is it being applied how do we need to make any sort of adjustments and then also looking at um uh, making sure the awareness and the communication out to the employees um, uh, is consistent, right? So, you know, where where are we communicating to our employees? And w- with us, in terms of our communication, we use Slack quite heavily, you know, posting our policies online, posting on an internet was really key for us, and then also communicating that back to the organization when we have all hands. Um, and having a forum for, for Q and A as well and concerns and making sure that, you know, if there are concerns, then those are being escalated. Um, and then they know where to escalate if there are, you know, um, exceptions that need to be applied um, to the process.
1: So there, there's a lot going on there. So, so you certainly have been keeping yourself busy. And that, that might explain why you haven't returned my emails for the last month and a half. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's, there's some tooling that has to go on. There's a lot of, of, of connecting with other teams and other, other counterparts within the organization. You, you mentioned some additional resources. Um, there's a ton of research, and I, I know because you presented it internally, a lot of research that, that needs to go on in terms of various policies. And, and, and again, the communication and the cultural buildup within the organization. So a lot of pieces beyond the piece of paper. Um, I, I wonder, I'm gonna throw it over to Brian to expand even beyond beyond sort of what we've done at Tr- attraction Guest as, as a company. Brian, right, what do you see across maybe the security industry as a best practice? What are what are other organizations looking at when they think about policy versus implementation?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So from my standpoint, I look at things you know as a matter of of compliance and, and risk, being the the security guy in the house. So the the first thing that I take into consideration are you know the the external mandates to have such a policy, um, whether that's, you know, for or, or against the matter. Uh, but, but you have to look at, you know, from a governmental perspective, there's multiple layers of mandates involved, right? And in, in, in some cases, uh, you know, depending on, on where your your company's headquartered, you may have a, a federal mandate or a, a statewide mandate or some, uh, you know, like New York City, for instance, you know, a, a local mandate involved. And, and in, in times they could be conflicting. Um, so making sure that you you deconflict all of all of those you know quote unquote mandates uh, and and come down with you know the the policy that that works for you. As uh, someone who's always worked for you know global companies or even uh, you know national companies, in this case, this could mean that you have different rules for different facilities. Uh, you know my the company I, I came from before Traction Guest had about 500 facilities around the world. So if you think of you know 500 different you know sets of rules. Uh, That's almost impossible to to manage, right, at least manage without some kind of, uh, as you put it, tooling um, or or process. But what we do in security a lot of times is is we come up with, um, you know, the highest common denominator. What's what's the most restrictive um, to make sure that we comply and and apply that across the board to to everyone? So rather than cater to 500 different facilities, we're going to use one process uh, across the board. Um, you know, again, flexibility. in, in that case, uh, things are ever changing. Uh, you know, whether whether or not we need to require them or don't require them, who we need to require them for uh, seems to change by the week. So, so having something not only a, a policy, but but as, as you said, the the tooling that can, can you know be flexible enough, uh, along with you know the changes that we need to make. I, I think beyond you know government. Yeah. Nope. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think beyond government mandates, you know, we have to look at, um, you know, our, our tar- target customers, especially if we're we're B two B. As a, a security director, I've I've often been pulled into to sales cycles. Um, you know, the the customer that we are are dealing with needs to know that our security is sound as well, uh, or that we're compliant with with certain regulations. So. Making sure that we, we take that into consideration. Who who are our customers, uh, especially if we're going to have our employees going on site at other other company uh, facilities. Strategic partnerships. Uh, I look at insurance. Does insurance come into play? Um, you know, will they reimburse for some sort of uh, incident, and, and what do they require us to have done in order for that to be on the table for us? Uh, so so there's things other than governmental uh, mandates that we have to look at. You know, when we decide our, our policy. Uh, and then, you know, just the last piece on that is making sure that it's that it's all-encompassing. Uh, we tend to think a lot about our employees. Uh, think about prospective employees, uh, you know, is this a requirement of new employees coming in? If, if this is a requirement of, of current employees, what do, how do we handle the, the employees that we're interviewing today, right? Uh, you know, coming from, from traction guests, we know a lot about uh, visitors. You know that's obviously one thing again if you're gonna if you're gonna require it for the employee do you require it for the the visitor that's that's coming in uh, and what other requirements do you put on those visitors uh you know whether that be a valid business need uh is it you know you open the doors again and everyone comes on in or, or is there some, some sort of uh you know vetting process you need to do for for your visitors and then uh, your contractors as well i spoke you know on the other side of that ticket. You know, uh, talking about your customers, but but what about uh, you know the people that you're a customer to? <laughs> uh, and and what do you require of those folks that are coming into your your workplace? Because uh, again, if you're going to require this of, of the employees, you should really consider um, you know more of a, a workplace uh, policy rather than you know based on any you know one demographic. I think Zuki touched on that as well, making sure uh, consistency is, is the key in your policy there.
1: Well, that's, 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 again, a lot of great points and particular I really like the last couple of comments around this notion that you know while on the one hand you've got Tsuki looking at the regulatory implications and, and what we have to do. and then on the other hand, and, and you know they kind of go hand in hand, hopefully, there is a notion of, of what we should do. And, and that might be a diff, different set of standards, but making sure that our, you know, not just that our, our employees are kept safe, but that our customers, you know, those who are paying the bills um, are comfortable continuing to do business um, and making sure that contractors, you know, entering the door are managed, monitored, screened in, in whatever whatever manner is, is most appropriate. So certainly lots to think about, you know, beyond a simplistic, um, you know, sort of yes, no, are, are you vaccinated type approach. There's a lot of these nuances that, that are coming out. I, I want to maybe dig, dig a little bit deeper into, you know, the, the, the notion of, of vaccination proof, you know, and, and that often is the anchor uh, for some of these discussions. You know, policies come out that say everybody has to be vaccinated. Oh, okay, sure. And then it, you know, very quickly becomes, well, well, how do I prove that? And you know we, we've heard a lot about their different options. You know, vaccine attestation, health att- attestations, um, you know, behavioral surveys, you know, uh, government ID. Th- there's all sorts of stuff out there. And I wanted to maybe dig into this and un- unpack this a little bit. I- I'm, I'm going to pick on Brian maybe first th- to start off. If you could just explain a little bit more around sort of that, that top of the, the, the iceberg thing around vaccine passports, because they, they seem to be all all the rage. What are they, and maybe how do they fit relative to the other, other options that are out there?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the, the term vaccine passports itself, you know, has even become a bit... Uh, of a taboo phrase, um, you know, some, some call it a passport, some, some call it a registry, some say it's passport, but we're not gonna call it a passport, right? Uh, but, but it all boils down to, uh, you know, the, the idea is that uh, you have some kind of credential, usually it's a, it's a QR code, and on the back of that QR code is connected to, uh, in, in most cases, a, a state database for vaccination records. Uh, where you as as a citizen you know you you put in your identifying information it locates you makes sure that you have the vaccine and then gives you that that qr code on, on the other end of that as, as the business entity you usually uh, have a, a scanner app that you can uh, scan that qr code and then see kind of the the green check mark right or, or the red x and, and make your determination obviously if if requiring vac- vaccination is is you know your rule you need to see that that green check mark before you you allow entry you know, some of, the, some of the pros and cons with, with using those systems, you know, I, I'll start with the the pros, you know. I, I think it's great for a small business. Uh, it's set it and forget it, right? You, you don't need to worry about the underlying um, architecture. You just simply mandate that your folks have uh, the, that passport, right? And, and you get your scanner app and, and, you, and you scan it. Um, also, you know, very great for retail uh, locations or, or anywhere that you've got that, that transient customer base, right? You see someone who comes maybe once ever, once once a month or, or so, right? Um, you know, restaurants, stores, a lot of stadiums use them, uh, even some of the, the private uh, passport uh, registries or, or uh, yeah, the vaccine passports are, are registries that, that are used. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, you know coming from from large enterprise, um, some of the things that I don't like about them is uh, you know they're again it's it's out of your hands it's external they're usually government led um, so you know you don't control the the process uh, they're usually not integratable into the rest of your your enterprise uh, applications or enterprise process that you have. Um, you know, one of the biggest things is is you don't have a record for for auditing purposes that you you did the right thing in, in screening everyone, uh, which of course comes with having no memory for repeated visits. So if we're talking about employees, right, you don't you don't, you don't want to bother your employee by having to uh, you know attest that they're vaccinated every day they come in. Um, so you need some sort of external process or or manual process for that. Um, you know, again, going back to the, the, the highest common denominator discussion, um, you know, it, they're usually jurisdictional. Um, so like, if, if you, know, you have one facility in the state of New York, they have, have one uh, you know, passport, where the state of California has another, and, and other states have none, right? Uh, so, so you need something that, that works across the board. And then the last piece to, to consider, this is not really a, a pro or con, just a consideration, is it's one piece of the puzzle, right? We, we talked about this in, in the policy discussion. Uh, you know, the, the daily health questionnaire, that, that's still in, right? There's, there's still the Delta variant and breakthrough uh, infections. So, so whether you're vaccinated or not, you, you're still asking, uh, you know, those, those three or four questions. Uh, and then just general information. Uh, some, some companies I've talked to have a, a bit of a, a signed disclaimer uh, that says, here's what we're doing. Here's why. Here's what it means to you. Do you, do you understand this? Uh, and, and let us know that you do. Otherwise, if you don't, let's let's talk about it and get you some more resources and, and some more information and, and address your concerns. Uh, so just having that that scanner app, you know, doesn't, you know, uh, answer those those parts of the, the puzzle there.
1: No, that's a great point on, on, on I guess almost the culture of, of things and making sure that there's an educational element as, as much as there is a policy and procedural element. Brian, you, you touched on the notion that, that they're not, the QR codes, the vaccine passports, are not integrated with other systems. Can you tell us a little bit more about what what that is in terms of, of I guess, the siloed nature of these things, and maybe what companies are are doing um, in terms of of you know integrating as best they can, maybe with with you know duct tape solutions and others.
3: Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, it's it's largely so far. Uh, a state or a province-based approach so uh you know each state has their their own database that they're they're tracking the the vaccination records uh, so everything is is very exclusive to to which state uh if you operate within one state uh, that that might you know that might suit you right but if but if you're operating across multiple states or even multiple countries that kind of shoots that in the foot um, so there's a lot of private, um, you know, vaccine passports and, and other tools out there that give you the, the full encompassing uh, approach that we talked about, the, the disclaimers, the the waivers, the, um, the daily health quiz, the vaccine attestation that, that come with memory. Um, so it's usually some kind of of private, um, you know, tooling that, that, that you're using. Uh, and, you know, one one point that I want to make there, too, that uh, I probably should have made on, on the policy side is, uh, you know, you want to set the policy first and understand what you need to do to be compliant uh, and to, to, to you know, supply the safety that, the, you know, you've got a duty of care to provide to your, to your employees, and then you find the right tooling that fits that process, right, rather than say, oh, you know, there's this this product or something out there on the on the market. Let me just grab this and and then you know mold your policy against it. Uh, you know you need to make sure that you're you're covering your bases
1: first. Great. no, that, that makes sense. So so it's, it's as as is often the case, there's a bit of a trade off with the the vaccine passports versus even more robust uh, approaches and how you can tie those two together. I, I want to throw it over to Suki a little bit, and, and maybe you could talk about what what you've done and what you've experienced in terms of um, the different tools that we're using as as proofs, and, and what was practical uh, in your mind.
2: Yeah, just just touching on what Brian's saying in, in terms of requiring flexibility, right? You need to be able to uh, be be flexible in terms of the proof that you're um, you're pulling into your system or you're integrating with, and I think it really comes down to for us, you know. It, our, our proof of vaccination has evolved so much in such a short period of time. You know, originally we, we had the paper cards, uh, which had, you know, what uh, what vaccine you had, at the time and, and your name, whereas, you know, now with BC, we, we have the um, digital app. But again, uh, there's um, to the extent that we can use that digital app, e- even with guidance and we look to local guidance to say, you know, can we use this and what is appropriate? And it really almost comes down to what is reason- what is reasonable for each organization? And the organization has to make the assessment for themselves, right? What is, what is reasonable proof um, to be able to satisfy ourselves that this person is adhering to the policies. And for us, really, it came down to um, collecting uh, the proof of whatever means it was. You know, if it was the paper copy that they had um, or if it was a printout. Um, and again, for us, it's determining, well, do we want to capture that information in, in our systems? Do we want to hold that information for a long period of time? To, and to, how, to what extent do we want to provide access uh, of that information to anyone within the organization, because you have to be mindful from a from a privacy perspective, right? Like who will ultimately have inf- access to this information, and uh, looking at it from a uh, a compliance point of view, you know, again, it will be regional, local, but um, then an in- industry uh, expectation. So you are holding on to sensitive information, um, and and what goes on in terms of your requirements when you're holding that. Um, it, what I would say for us when we were collecting that information, it's also about training the people that are actually collecting that information. Um, and, and then also looking at when we collect that information, do we necessarily want them to be in office providing us the the information or do we want them to provide it before they get to office, right? Um, and then how do we pr- pr- present that? Um, you know, we took the view that we were um, going to be very um, – astringent in terms of data collection, Um, you know, uh, for us, because we we don't have that many people in our headquarters, we are able to do a little bit more high touch. um, But, you know, other organizations may not have that where they need to automate um, more in terms of pre-collection for them to then process individuals coming through their doors quickly. Um, Whereas we are very fortunate um, that, you know, we have the systems in place that we can do a a, a pre-check, um, uh, and then, you know, they're good to go um, when they when they come into the facilities.
1: Yeah. And to your point, there's a big difference between three sites and and 300. So lot, yeah. lots of challenges. I want to I want to shift gears a little bit and focus now on, on almost the opposite. You know, we talked about sort of proving the the, the, the vaccination status. But there's a whole cohort that inevitably will, will be unvaccinated. And look, the purpose of today's discussion is not to get into the politics of it, and the rights and the wrongs and the lefts and the rights. It really is, is a discussion around there is a mandate out there, whether we like it or not. <laughs> there is also a duty of care consideration out there, whether we like it or not. And it's how do we manage that that issue when the, the cohort, whichever cohort it is, it, it could be geographically dispersed, it could be demographically dispersed. There will be groups that are unvaccinated, either unable or unwilling to, to, to be vaccinated. How do we deal with that scenario? How do we deal with the exceptions to the rule more so than just how do we deal with the rule? So I, I wanted to open that up for, for a little bit of discussion. Um, so he looks like you're chomping at the bit there. Why don't, why don't you start off?
2: Yeah, like I think for the easiest thing is you know if someone is vaccinated, it's very clear. You know, collecting evidence, yeah. you know, the, the workflow is very simple in that way. It gets more complicated when uh, when you have uh, individuals say raising an exception. Or us having to make an accommodation. So when when we're thinking about implementation, we look at, okay, so what avenues can they raise that exception? So is it through, um, you know, when they're providing their proof, is there certain functionality that says, hey, I don't have proof, but I require an exception. So then looking at how does that get escalated and who does that get escalated to within the organization? You know, is it your facilities person that's managing that? Or then does that get escalated to a special committee? Or is that something that your people and culture team, or you know, your HR team um, have to do an assessment? And what's key for organizations is documentation, right? And the rationale behind whether to grant an exception, not to grant an exception, um, that's really going to be. Key. Um, and again, it's always gonna be on a case by case basis. So making sure um, it's scalable. Right, um, and, and again, uh, auditing is going to be really key here as well. One of the things in in terms of um, when you look at it from um, an application, uh, when applying this policy, is consistency um, and, and being aware that is being cons- consistently applied, and then so there is no fear of discrimination or unfairness. Um, so again, those are things that we, we've been mindful when um, when we put. Uh, the the policy forward. And when we're looking at exceptions, and for us, we, um, our policy is, is, you know, you you have to be fully vaccinated if you're coming into the office. An exception, and and, and one of the accommodations we make is, you know, what we allow for pure remote work. Some organizations will not have that ability. So then the organization has to determine, okay, what other accommodations are reasonable, given that individuals, Um, uh, work requirements? Um, And it may be, you know, for one of the things that we looked at was, you know, COVID testing, then proof of COVID testing, and then that goes into your systems. Um, And then how does that get captured and and what is reasonable in terms of the the proof for that? Uh, Or then we look at, you know uh, additional protocol measures for health and safety so do we have them restricted to a certain area do we we limit in terms of the the meeting uh, room usage if it is that they're unvaccinated or um, again this all comes back to our obligation uh for if there is an outbreak and making sure that um we are aware who's in who's in facilities as well uh, at the time and uh, what precautions were taken and again um almost contract tracing in terms of where everyone is who's in the building
1: no, that's perfect there's a lot of stuff and i really like your point about the consistency of these policies and, and the implementation thereof as part and parcel of, of of you know how we how we make sure that we're protecting ourselves down the road from any fallout so it, it it's one thing to have an implementation to have a policy it's one thing to implement it, that policy but then it's a whole other thing to apply that consistently, so that there is a sense of, of fairness and equity across the board. Brian, I, I want to turn it over to you. I, I wonder if you could dig into to some of this a little bit further. In particular, I really like where Suki was going with sort of the escalations and the, and the workflow and, and, and the process around that. I wonder if you, if you could talk more around again how we manage the, the that, that you know the exceptions to the rule in, in a practical yeah. manner. Absolutely,
3: and, and I have to say, uh, you know. I agree with with all the points that that Suki made. I don't think I could uh, have said them better myself, to be honest with you. Um, But, you know, I I look at this, I don't look at this as vaccinated and and unvaccinated. I I look at this as a workflow, right? And there's different paths down this workflow. Everyone starts in the the same place. uh, And depending on your situation, you go down a a different path. And and maybe that's, you know, you're you're vaccinated and you have proof of that uh, and you go down that path. Uh, maybe it's you're, you're vaccinated, but you, you don't have proof of that. Um, you know, a lot of places uh, still just rely on that uh, little CDC card. Uh, and I know quite a few people who've, who've lost or, or damaged theirs, right? Uh, so, so what do you do in, in that case? Maybe one is, you know, I have a, a medical or, or religious aid exemption or just I'm, I'm unwilling to, to, to do this, right? And that's your right to do that. Uh, so, so there it's it's a workflow. Uh, and and you go down a different path, um, like anything else. Uh, and you know, I said it before, and you you mentioned it. I think you need some kind of of, of tooling for that. Um, but but at least a, a written process. I think if you're going to be challenged on on your practices, this is where you get that challenge. Um, so documentation is is you know of utmost importance here. Uh, you know, right down from, you know here are the different paths that we take. Uh, and who has that ultimate responsibility to uh, make that decision that, uh, you know, is is, is approved, right? Uh, as well as, you know, how do you, what, and, and I think Suki touched on this a little bit, but what classifies as proof, whether that be proof of your, uh, you know, successful vaccination, proof of your, your exemption, uh, if if you're just unwilling and, and you're, that your company has decided you, in lieu of Vaccination, you'll do testing. What what is proof of, of testing, uh, and what do you do with that information, and how do you validate the authenticity
1: of it? Perfect. I, I'm going I'm to use that as a bit of a segue into the the next sort of section where, where I wanted to really dig into the the notion of, of the overarching, I guess, workflow almost. And you know, you you both mentioned this this idea of of, of the workflow and the escalations. And I want to start putting some of the pieces together. Like, like we've been talking about, you know, the policy and we've talked about, you know, different proof of, of vaccination options thereof. And the fact that, you know, you don't necessarily jump to, you know, vaccination passports, et cetera, but that there are other considerations. We've talked about considerations for the unvaccinated, right? The, the workflow and escalations and the exceptionality, you know, the medical exemption cards and, and how you make determinations, the, you know, the religious exceptions, et cetera, et cetera. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, how we put it all together. And, you know, certainly what we've seen out, out in the market, when I get, go back to, again, the hype versus the reality, there's a lot of, of, of hype about, you know, sort of easy but maybe incomplete solutions. You know, it, it's as simple as, oh, you know, are you vaccinated? Yes, no. And, and then, you know, the person walks in the door. And I think clearly, you know, if, if nothing else comes from the last, you know, uh, hour of discussion, it, it, it has to be this sense that there, there is more to this story. There, there is some complexity, and and we're doing ourselves a disservice as leaders to you know to ignore some of that complexity. And so, there is this this bigger process. And I think, you know, what we see with with a lot of our enterprise or customers is is certainly this notion that they are looking at a, at a more end-to-end approach, whereby they are you know looking at invitation and registration. And so you mentioned this previously that you know it's important to engage people long before they get to the office, right? Are we inviting the right people? Are we scheduling accordingly? Or are we putting them in the right desks, in the right spaces, et cetera? Um, then, then, you know, on the other end, you've got, you know, post-event communication, analytics, data. I think, Brian, you mentioned the notion of being able to demonstrate the efficacy of, of, of certain programs. So we've got those two sort of ends that I think a lot of people are, are, are missing in that, you know, overly simple uh, approach when you only look at, you know, the vaccine protocols, when you only look at a vaccination, yes, no approval. So I, I want to dig into a little bit more about the workflow and, and maybe how that ties in almost to, you, you know, organizational culture and developing a sense of, of I guess, safety and security as, as something that people are taking seriously and that is becoming an organizational mandate. So I I want to turn it over to the panel again to to share a little bit about, you know, again, how how this, you know, vaccination proof or unproof for the unvaccinated, how that all ties together in a a workflow that is that sort of end to end and and creates that overarching sense of, of safety and security. I'll maybe start with, with Suki because you, you've got some very tactical, practical, you know, day of experience with, with what we've been doing recently. Um, can you maybe touch a little bit on, on, on that, and then, then we'll turn it over to Brian for, for some of the, uh, the industry commentary?
2: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, again, this is one policy of many, right? One policy of many, and um, it, it, to a large extent, uh, a, a vaccine mandated policy is going to be temporary right? So again, looking at reviewing this consistently uh, with your other policies, your procedures. And for us, we, we looked at it as in it's just an addition to what we already have in place um, for health and safety. So, um, you know, we even looked at the policy um, and looking at even relaxing maybe some of our other um, health and safety uh, requirements. Because right now, um, if you go in office, you have to be fully masked uh, regardless of um, um, your vaccine status. You know, um, we've got um, uh, uh, obviously hygiene policies um, and and then, you know, some organizations will already have their health checks in terms of, you know, um, uh, temperature checks uh, and then have their questionnaires on top of that. So for us, it's um, it, it's all holistic in terms of you know what are we doing to make sure we reduce the risk for anyone that comes into the organization, um, and and we look at really um, uh, the movement of individuals within the organization uh, in, in terms of who's coming in. We we monitor that, um, and so one of the things for us really has been uh, mindful of. Um, uh, continuing to review what we have in place um, and, and making sure that um, we, we look at um, any sort of uh, issues um, that we've had uh, with any of our flows. So uh, one incident that, uh, so what we look at is, um, you know, people coming into the office um, and they've done their questionnaire, they provide their proof, but then also checking back with, you um, our systems to see, is there any sort of discrepancy? Uh, and we've actually had a discrepancy in terms of people that have um, provided their proof, but actually maybe haven't checked in for the day. So again, it, it, it's a constant review and monitoring um, uh, of the overall um, flow uh, of individuals coming in and out.
1: Perfect, yeah, you raise an interesting point there, there uh, that there are many, many policies and this needs to be considered holistically. And I really like your comment, it seems trivial, but hygiene, you know, we, we've kind of forgotten about some of the, the basic things, but that, that may be part of an overarching sort of workforce safety approach where, yes, we're you know, monitoring for vaccination status or, or exceptions thereof, but at the same time, we're also building out you know, not just what is the mandate, but what is a, 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 you know, sort of under that duty of, of, of care umbrella, there may be hygiene tips and tricks. There may be reminders about hand washing or, or mask wearing or what have you to, to make sure that, you know, again, we're, we're treating our employees and our contractors and our visitors in, in, in a way that you know, raises the bar um, for, for everyone. Uh, Brian, I wonder if I I'd throw it over to you for, for your comments on, on, again, sort of that, that overall workflow uh, and how people are putting the pieces together for, for maybe the, bi- the bigger picture, if you will. Yeah,
3: I think there's a couple pieces um, that I could add to, to what Suki already mentioned. I love what she talked about, uh, you know, the entirety of the workflow from the very beginning to, to the end. Uh, I think in terms of, of execution and, and the how, it comes back to, to what I call your, your COVID committee. Um, you know, something that we, at, at our company, we call it the safe work committee, but um you know it's something that we started at the very beginning when we were drafting our you know return to the office uh playbooks that we hurried up and and wrote and then you know stuck on a on a shelf somewhere and <laughs> until we were ready to, to come back to the office but uh you know i, I think just because uh you know people are, are getting vaccinated that that committee you know is, still needs to exist um and and each person on that committee has, has you know, um, a, a duty for, for care on, on their responsibility that they're in the company for, right? So as we talk about some of the mandates, uh, especially at the federal level, um, you know, it's, it's, it's to be governed um, you know, supposedly by, by OSHA, right? So, so that's a, a function of, of EHS generally. So bringing them to the table, you're dealing with people and, and personnel records, obviously HR needs to be in the table. Um, you know, again, dealing with those records and, and sensitive information, you know, your 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 chief privacy officers, your cybersecurity folks, perhaps, uh, need to be part of that conversation. We're talking about uh, modifying our facility, um, not only how we enter the building, but uh, how we work in the building, social distancing and such. So, you know, facilities being a, a, a part of it. I've seen quite a bit um, recently where security has been a part in in the beginning um, you know but now they've they've started for one reason or another to to, to fade out a, a little bit uh, you know ooh, you know personnel records I, I don't want to be involved there uh, I think security still has a place in, in this committee and, and probably needs to double down uh, you know we uh, try to embed ourselves in the organization to, to know the organization to be able to help it there's obviously a, an access granted access denied uh, part of this but more so it's it's maintaining that partnership with all of these people on on the committee if you think about all these these you know titles that I've just listed what so makes an organization run there's no better partnership for for the folks like me out there uh, than being a part of, of this committee so I think that's you know how uh, when you have all of those minds in, in the room that's how you can uh, you know come to this workflow this end-to-end process that that Suki mentioned uh, and, and then the last piece that I think is is kind of in the background of of, of this workflow is is the culture, uh, and you know if we we think about uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know uh, safety is is one of them, right? Uh, and, and not only do you need to provide that safety for your employees, but you need to you need them to be active in th- providing this their own safety, right? So so you need to get um, you know the employee feedback. Uh, on the security side, uh, for me, it's as easy as um, you know I try to slip a question into uh, annual uh, employee climate surveys of do you feel safe? Uh, you know yes or no. Uh, and, and if you don't, what would make you feel safe? Uh, the employees should be a part of these decisions uh, you know all, all the way through. Uh, at the end of the day, those are the folks that you're trying to protect uh, and, and they have a voice in in their own safety uh, as well.
1: You know, that, that's a particularly salient point, I think, that people kind of gloss over. We've been so focused on the mandate and the exceptions to the mandate and, and the rebuttals to the mandates, et cetera. There, there, is, there is an element of the emboldened employee that we're starting to see more and more you know, throughout the pandemic and post-pandemic where employees are looking for safe, safe experiences. They're, they're demanding of their employer a safe and secure workplace, and and they're they're saying you know we we had one survey, uh, ninety some odd percent of employees now say that they will consider, you know, taking action, uh, whether that's legal, whether that's through their union, whether that's actually looking to resign, uh, if their employer doesn't provide a safe workplace. So there there are, you know, sort of the two sides of the coin where we want to address the people that, that don't want to provide. Um, inf- information it may be challenging, but we also need to address the people that just want a, a, you know, a safe work environment, whatever that might mean. So a particularly good point. You know, Brian, you, you mentioned um, in, in, in your comments there, the, the notion of also working with, with IT and, and um, you know, different departments. And I feel like it, it wouldn't be a, a, you know, a, a security safety conversation in, in 2021, if we didn't talk at least a little bit about conversions and, and, and data and how that all sort of rolls together, you know, th- there's a lot of stuff that, that, that we're going to be collecting here potentially or, or, or not collecting. Um, and, and there's a lot of considerations that, that need to be um, need to be paid attention to. So um, I, I'm going to start uh, this, this one with Suki because uh, I know you've done a ton of research and obviously your, you know, your role um, at Traction Guest and your history has been all around trust and compliance. So uh, maybe let's start off with you for, for you know how you view this, this issue.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. So definitely this is a, a data privacy issue and security issue. Um, especially you know, looking at the data that you're collecting, and likely it's going to be sensitive information, health information, um, and depending on exactly what proof you're requiring, and also when you're looking at exemptions, you know, you're you're getting health information, the reasons as to why. Um, so, as anyone who's been following um, recent legislation changes. Data privacy is moving really quickly, especially in relation to as a as a result of COVID and the information that's being collected. So there's a lot of guidance out there uh, and requirements um, as well and limitations in terms of the data that you can collect. So this is really important when you when you're starting to set something like this up that you engage the appropriate team. So for us, it's you know privacy has been heavily involved. Uh, in terms of determining, you know, what's being collected, who has access to it, because one of the major obligations for any organization um, uh, in any jurisdiction, really, especially from a European perspective, um, is you know data minimization. Um, do necessarily need to collect this data, and then also looking at data retention. Um, you know, how long are you holding this information for? Because you know, each jurisdiction or each each local um, uh, guidance may tell you actually, you know, you can't hold data for longer than it's ne- necessary, and that may mean that. Once the individual um, has visited the facilities, that then you have to um, uh, delete that data or remove that data. Or it may be, you know, you have to hold it for 14 days um, for or for auditing purposes or for tracking purposes. And then you have to remove or, you know, each each organization, each location really has to make that determination. It gets very complex from a privacy perspective. And then you know it's uh, you have to also think about it from a um, uh, if in if a user then asks or makes a request. So you know from a European perspective, you know you have rights to to request what information you hold about me. So you know you have to think about the processes behind that as well um, in, in terms of the data that you're holding, and this is all sensitive information. So Can you. you I
1: I just say, can you comment briefly on 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 the HIPAA aspect because i know that comes up a, a ton is HIPAA yes. is, is HIPAA relevant for everyone and, and, and again we're not giving this like guidance but just at a high level is HIPAA is HIPAA relevant for everyone and is it relevant to this topic and is it relevant to maybe vaccination versus thermal versus health if you could do that yeah. in a minute or less how's that
2: <laughs> well, well from a from a HIPAA perspective it, there's only certain organizations that are subject to hipaa right um, and again, an organization needs such a term for themselves. So, you know, if they're, um, uh, you know, a, um, I can't remember what the term is, um, maybe, Brian, you can help me, if they are an organization that, you know, provides insurance or, you know, uh, medical uh, facilities, they are subject to HIPAA. But from any organization, from a legal privacy perspective, you have to have organizational and technology, uh, technology um, uh, procedures in place to protect the data, and that will be the same thing for HIPAA. You know, you look at your privacy notifications. You know, from HIPAA, you know, you have to make individuals aware in terms of you know what data you're collecting, um, and we look at privacy notices. So, you know, when we're collecting this information, this needs to be accessible and easy to read and then looking at the technology, technology that's holding that information, right? Having secure um, technology uh, to make sure you know, that it, there is uh, no security vulnerabilities or, or checking on that. Again, that's all to do with it, you may be subject to HIPAA, you may not be, but it's the same obligations for any organization when you're collecting sensitive information like this um, that they need to ensure that they are mindful of when they're rolling something like this out.
1: Well, that, that, that's a good point. And there, there's some high level, yeah. you know, not HIPAA direct, but HIPAA indirect that, that needs to be considered. Um, I think and, and, that, and, um, you know, ahead,
3: a, a, above and beyond HIPAA, you know, if you're not one of the, the covered entities within, within HIPAA, you know, probably more, uh, you know, topical would be something from the, the EEOC or, or the ADA, uh, ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act Act. Um, you know that they have a lot to say around what you can uh, and, and cannot ask. Uh, I know there's been some exemptions made around around COVID and such, but um, you know, even if you're not bound to HIPAA, you know, looking at, at those regulations and, and what's been amended from those folks uh, around COVID, you know, would, would be a, definitely a good idea there. Yeah, yeah. No, certainly a lot of consideration. Like,
0: to... Yeah,
2: sorry, right. just to go back and it's you know, looking at uh, your local guidance, your your local health. Um, uh, authorities will have that as well. In terms of, you know, what's the guidance in terms of what information you should be able to collect, uh, what's uh, necessary, and what you should not do. Um, so again, it, it's going to be very specific to your locations.
1: Yeah, location and obviously industry. industry. you know, To Brian's point, whether you're a covered industry uh, covered entity or not, yeah. uh, there's some yeah. complexity. But great points on on you know data data sensitivity, data minimization, data uh, deletion, uh, and and you had said this much earlier, Suki, the notion of, of creating a policy that, of, of consistency. So, you know, making sure that, that whatever you're doing, you're doing it consistently, you have, you have a process in place, and it's not haphazard. Yeah. I, I want to switch it over to Brian just, just for a minute on, on, on the data. Suki certainly covered a lot about the, the sensitivity and, and, and the, the issues thereof. Can you talk a little bit further about, about sort of data and maybe the, the opportunities, the, the more positive side of things?
3: Yeah, I think on, on on my side, you know, as a as a security person, I don't bring money into the company, right? Security, as they say, is a as a cost center, and I, I hate that phrase itself, but uh, you know, in, in some respects, it's it's true, right? So I need to track my contribution to my organization and justify my existence pretty regularly. Uh, so you know, for me, having data is, is very important, um, and, and so I, you know, I don't advocate that you you hold anyone's you know PPI or, or anything. You can work with these uh you know documents and and the proof that you're doing uh in flight rather than you know at at rest as they say right you don't need to store this information you could maybe uh you know leverage a a tool that reads the information uh processes it in real time gives you the the green check mark or the red x and, and move on right you don't need to store that but what you are storing is the metadata about that event right i've got 100 employees i've screened 99 of them successfully, I've got, you know, one exception. Uh, that's the information I think that um, not only helps you as the security person, facility person, HR person, um, you know, it, it helps justify when you need to show that, uh, you know, you're practicing the duty of care, you're keeping the safety of your your employees, uh, you know, uh, in, in mind. Uh, and, you know, at, at some point, uh, if, if they're not actively involved in the writing of the policy, you know, some executive is going to come, come around asking for this information anyway. <laughs>
1: yep. That's just, sure. just
2: to add to that as well, sorry, just to add to that as well, in, in terms of the use of data, right, like uh, there, from an aggregate perspective, you know, that that's fair game, right? And I think that's great for companies to be able to capacity plan right? Uh, And then also look at, you know, what are, um, uh, you know, is there certain areas that require additional health and safety measures as, you know, from overcrowding, is there not space, etc.? But also being mindful that the data that's being collected in the form that it's being collected is only used for the purposes for, you know, what you've said that they're gonna be used for. So again, being mindful of who has access to that data and how they can then pull reports from that. Because, um, you know, that's, that's one of the, the pitfalls and possible liabilities um, for, for companies is, you know, everyone has access to the information of vaccines. And again, you have to limit that um, and be very cautious in terms of what systems hold that information.
1: No, good point. And I think that, that goes back to sort of policy and implementation and, and, and the rigor that we need to think, the, think, think these things through. Again, it's not just a yes, no you know, survey monkey question and then off you go. There is a process involved, there's consistency, there's escalation paths, there's permissions, et cetera, et cetera. So lots lots of consideration. I really like Brian, Brian's comment though around, you know there's the data, but then there's the metadata. And, and that might be what we, what we look at in terms of, you know, proving the efficacy of these programs, getting audit ready for future. And, and again, to the previous comment about, you know, supporting employee uh, well-being and, and employee confidence, making sure that we can demonstrate that, that we have addressed sort of that duty of care mandate. I, I know we're going to come close on time. I, I do want to just close off with with maybe some some consideration and next steps like you know look we've been through a lot of discussions here a lot of different points we've, we've talked about vaccinations and, and the unvaccinated different proofs we've talked about the scope you know addressing contractors versus employees and visitors we've talked about the workflows and, and watch list automations we've talked about you know audit trails versus data minimization there's a lot of stuff and I mean again if, if we if we leave folks with anything um, today, I, I hope it's the, the, an understanding that this is clearly not a, you know, quick quick app that I, I you know I, I develop on the weekend or a little survey sign-in form or, a, you know, whatever. This, you know, frankly, it's it's not an app. It it, it really is a, a robust um, sort of process. That the people need to look at and, and, and consider a lot of different different aspects. Um, I, I want to maybe turn it just, just quickly for some closing comments. Maybe I'll start with Suki. Um, in terms of what people should, should think about as, as they look at, 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 you know, what do I do in the next day, uh, maybe in the next week, not even in the next month, because there's not enough time, but in the next next two to, two to five business days, what, what would be your, your top, top few considerations?
2: I think for me is making sure you have a cross-functional team that's looking at this. So the biggest thing for me is engaging your legal uh, and then engaging your privacy teams in terms of, you know, what are your requirements um, for each office uh, and then also the privacy aspect of it. So those are really key for me if those haven't been done already. And then them being fully engaged um throughout the whole process and again reviewing and, and consistently applying and then continue to monitor manage um that throughout uh, you know the implementation
1: perfect i, I like your comment about you know, managing the implementation so not just as a one-off but but that ongoing review uh, absolutely okay. uh, I'll, I'll turn it over to poor brian that didn't even get a nod suki wants legal and compliance on the committee brian who, el- who else should be there and, and what do you think are some of the next steps
3: yeah, you know, in terms of the the committee I mentioned before, you know, I think EHS, facility security, the people I deal with, you know, very very often, uh they all have their their viewpoints um, you know, next steps for me, like I said, keep that committee in place. Um there's there's still a lot more to to be done. Uh, you know, we're we're not out of the, the the woods yet, so to speak, right? Um you know, some some may, mentalities may say we're we're not going to be out of the woods, right? The, the the new normal is they say there there may always be some kind of um uh, you know health aspects to the, the security and, and safety programs that uh, you know exist today tomorrow and, and in the future. Uh, but I think think end to end you know not this isn't about just vaccines right vaccine is just another component of the, the the procedures and the policies that you've been putting in place, the daily health questionnaires, the contact tracing, the follow-up uh, feedback loops you know all, all of all of this still plays to, together uh, and then you know set the policy, Decide what you need to do that's right for you and your organization, and then find the technology and the tools that help support it. Um, not the other way around. You don't want to get stuck into uh, a procedure or a workflow that, uh, you know, if you're called into to question later on, it's, you know, your answer is, well, that's the only way the tool, you know, could, could do it, right? Um, set your requirements up front and then find what helps you in your mission to keep your employees safe.
1: Perfect. And th- that is what this is all about, is, ke- is keeping employees safe. We have run out of time on, on today's session, but I, I would encourage folks, you know, continue to uh, to, to send uh, those questions. Feel free to email us directly at info at info@tractionguest.com. Uh, Myself, Brian and Sookie, we, we thank you for your time. We'll be responding to everyone's questions. And, you know, as, as Brian mentioned just in closing, you know, certainly there's a lot of good policy and procedure work. There's a lot of good implementation considerations. And then there's a lot of tooling considerations. And, and we are quite happy to help uh, walk folks through further and deeper discussions on those issues and some of those considerations uh, and how to tool up and operationalize your COVID vaccination policies. Thank you very much for your time. And again, please feel free to reach out to us at infotractionguest.com. All right.
0: Thank you, everyone. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. As a reminder, any questions will be forwarded to today's sponsor, or you can email info@tractionguest.com. Also, we hope you take the time to share your feedback through our survey, which will open in a different screen after this webinar. Your input is important because it will help us improve our future webcast. This ends today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast. I'd like to thank Traction Guest and, of course, all all of you who joined us today. Take care and be safe.